Give me a drink. This gospel is one that we have the option every year to hear during Lent. And it's meant to be a special gospel for those members among us who are seeking baptism at Easter. So there's, there's actually nine students from the Newman Center from here at NAU who are seeking baptism, which is kind of cool. Um, yet for all of us who are baptized, these readings are a reminder of who Jesus is and what he wants to do in our lives. So I want to kind of like walk through this catechesis, this this beautiful reading of John chapter 4. So Jesus goes to this well. Jesus never does anything by accident, right? So, so Jesus is at this well at noon. Now, normal people would go in the morning to get water before it gets hot. People who plan ahead. And so, but the Samaritan woman doesn't do that. Because we know later from her marriage situation that there's been a lot of broken hearts and probably dysfunction and hurt along the way. And so she actually is feeling disconnected from the community, that she's feeling alone. That you could say and identify with that even in the midst of all these people, We can still feel alone. So Jesus meets her there. And he asks her for a drink. He says, give me a drink. And she immediately gives him this reaction of like, why are you asking? Why are you talking to me? Because she even says here that Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. That that if they do, then... The thought is that the Jewish people will become unclean, you know. But Jesus isn't worried about that. That even you and I who feel at times unworthy, feel unclean, like like not worthy to go to Jesus, that Jesus himself chooses to come to us, that he's not afraid of us. But he wants a drink. And so they have this conversation in which Jesus asks her, go call your husband and come back. And it's revealed that she said, I've had, or Jesus tells her, you've had five husbands. And the one you're with now is not your husband. What would, what would possess someone to do that? Well, in our culture today, we would say, well, Someone is looking for love. And unfortunately, they keep experiencing disappointment and hurt. But you also have added on top of that in this culture at the time that that for a woman who didn't have a husband or didn't have her parents, her father alive, that she was kind of alone, that there was nobody to take care of her. And so she's kind of feeling like, I have to do this. Because otherwise, who's going to take care of me? And so here she is looking for love. She's the one who's actually thirsty to know what it is to be truly loved. 
And the way that Jesus talks to her, it's different than these other men. These other men who talk to her, they, they want something from her. But when Jesus talks to her, he talks in a way that he understands her. And, and, it, and it affects her, it changes her so much that she takes off and she runs to the people in the town and she says, come see a man who told me everything I have done. So here's a man who's told, who knows everything about me and she's okay with that. That I believe you and I, we are made to be known by others. That the loneliest place in life to be is to feel like nobody knows me. Nobody wants to know me. And we have this fear and this shame, like this woman hiding from all the other women, not going with them in the morning, that we have this fear and the shame that, that if people really knew me, that they would reject me. And yet that's precisely the place that Jesus goes, and he basically says, I, I already know everything about you. But what I want, what I invite you to do, is to share all that stuff with me. Don't, don't leave it in the dark, because that's not good for you. But instead, I want you to bring it to me. And I think a symbol of this, of how she's satisfied by being known and loved by Jesus, is it says she leaves her water jar. Like the whole reason she goes to the well, the very thing she thinks she's looking for, she leaves behind because she's actually found what she really needs. I believe that God allows us to be thirsty because he wants to quench our thirst. God gives us a hunger to want to be loved that leads us to him who wants to show us perfect love. Like, why does God, why is he so cruel leading these people in the desert in the Exodus, the first reading? Because he already knows the plan he has to answer their cry, the cry of their heart, and to satisfy their thirst. And so what that means is that, that those desires that you and I have, God has a plan to satisfy them in a way that's even deeper than we understand. Like, some people would say, well, you know, like she had five husbands, so that means she had all these desires that were erroneous or whatever. It's like, no, she had a desire to be loved. And God was working through that so that she would be able to recognize his love for her that could satisfy that deeper need. So even, even when you and I, when we feel like, hey, I want these things, but they're bad. Like, I, I kind of want this, but I realize it's not a good desire. That actually becomes the opportunity to kind of take that and go to the Lord. This reading we're meant to hear in concert with Jesus on the cross. What does Jesus say on the cross? He doesn't say, give me a drink, but he says, I thirst. What is Jesus thirst for? Jesus who is 
perfect. Is it, does it just mean it was a hot day, you know, and he's just thirsty? That, no. That what Jesus, this is what Mother Teresa of Calcutta says, Jesus thirsts even now in your heart and in the poor. He wants only your love, wants only the chance to love you. That, when, that Mother Teresa, she actually has I thirst written on the, the wall of every one of her chapels throughout the world. And the idea is that, that Jesus on the cross, what he's thirsting for is you and I. No, God's perfect. God's lacking nothing. What is he thirsting for? He's thirsting for yours and my heart. Well, he already knows it. You see, he already knows all these things that are going on in her life. It's like, yes, God knows it, but what he desires, and he knows that it's good for me to bring my heart to him, to express to him my, my thoughts, my my emotions, my, my desires. What is it I want? That's why we're given this. That, and then what does he do? He, he, he talks about this living water. Whoever drinks this water will never thirst. The water I shall give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Isn't it true in our own experience that when I have an experience of uh, that involves like sin or something, um, it leaves me thirsty. It can leave me feeling less than or ashamed or um, the way I kind of see it too is we're searching for the next opportunity. So if I go out and I'm, I'm celebrating with my friends and there's a good way to celebrate and there's a not good way. Like maybe it was a, a not good way. And then what are we talking about? Now we're talking about, I can't wait till the next time that we get to go do that. Because I, I need a next time because I'm thirsty again. I'm actually thirstier. That what I was looking for by going downtown or going to that party, like I actually didn't find that night. And it's like, no, because what I'm thirsting for can only be found in the person of Jesus Christ. That, that every earthly thing that we encounter, it can meet my need for a time. But as soon as that time passes, I'm hungry again. I'm thirsty again. But when it comes to an experience of the Lord those are the experiences that satisfy. Like when you think of somebody who loved you, loves you really deeply in your life, maybe it's a parent or a friend, maybe, maybe one of your friends one time really did something that was like just really good. Like, man, I was really down, and then this friend did this for me. That when we think of that, even now, it's like, wow, that was really beautiful. I really, I really feel their love even now. Does that make sense? That that's what our hearts were made for. When it's of God, it continues to satisfy. And that he, he works through that any thirst or whatever I have 
to try to lead me to him so that he can satisfy me. And so I, this is my invitation for prayer for us today, is that, that maybe later, maybe even at Mass here, you can like tune me out, you know, and do this. Or like, like if you're laying in bed tonight, to imagine yourself walking up to the well and Jesus is sitting there and he sees you and he smiles as if he's been looking for us, waiting for us. And we draw kind of closer, but we feel a little nervous like, you know, I... Uh, haven't been so perfect this week. But Jesus motions that he wants us to, to sit down. And we sit there and we feel in our heart, maybe what we're saying to Jesus is, Jesus, I'm thirsty. Jesus, I'm tired of being disappointed by the people around me. Jesus, I'm tired of feeling dumb. Jesus, I hate feeling overwhelmed. Jesus, I hate feeling these things. Whatever, whatever we're experiencing, whatever we're thinking, Jesus, I really want, I want these good things for my family. I want these good things for myself. I want to be happy. And to sit there with the Lord. And the Lord just nods. And his expression says to us, I want to know more. I want to hear everything you've been going through. I want to hear every thought, every feeling, every desire that you have, even though I already know it, because I love you. And that as we do that, as we share ourselves, our hearts, our lives with the Lord, that we begin to experience that love that we've been thirsting for, that loves us unconditionally, we discover that love that's been leading us through all these different experiences, wanting to actually satisfy us. That his invitation to give me a drink is precisely the invitation through which he wishes to satisfy our deepest desires.